Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. We're all in this upside-down world of COVID-19, but, but church, the Christian response should be different. After all, we're, we're providing an eternal perspective, uh, and, and we're, we're pointing to these, these spiritual realities, even while everyone else is sort of polarizing in, in, these, in their different camps. Uh, we're, we're holding up the, the gospel. Uh, and if we're allowing the gospel to, to change us from the inside out, man, our, our voice, our, our lives, and our, our priorities should, should just have this consistent Jesus-centered thread to them. And every day, there's, there is still a new story. <laughs> There's still a, a, a new article and, and a, a new hot take. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you what's happening. There, there are entirely too many people and sadly even too many people within the church who uh, like all, all they're doing is sort of just reacting, right? They're, they're reacting to all the outside noise and they're reacting to all the outside stimulus. But for the Christian this is, it's backwards. We are, we are called to live from the inside out. And, and, and so th- this morning, I, I want to talk about this idea uh, of, of living from the inside out, living inside out in an upside down time. Uh, how to live inside out uh, in upside down times. And so uh, I want to jump into this last part of Romans 13 uh, verses 8 through 14. So if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to read along. And Paul simply says this, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not Murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, and therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness and in sexual, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. 
So I want to I want to take a look at and 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 I want to take I want to take a look at three sort of spiritual realities uh, from living from the inside out as a Christ follower. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to, on this first one, church family, I'm going to get to the spiritual reality in just a moment. But as we look at verses 8 through 10, I, I want to look at the neighbor. <laughs> you ever... You ever owe somebody money? You ever owe someone money? Or, or, or maybe maybe you borrowed something and, and, and then you, you lost it or you, you misplaced it and then they came tracking you down and, and, and they're like, hey, where, where, hey, where's my book? Hey, where's, where's that thing that, that, that you borrowed? Hey, where's my, where's my money that, that you owe me? Uh, and every time, every time you run into that person, uh, Every time you cross paths with them, what's, what's the first thing that enters your mind? Like all you're thinking about is, oh man, like I, I, like I owe this person. Like I owe, I owe that girl. Like I owe this, this, this guy. Um, and, and, and you might even start, you might even start dodging them. Uh, I, I remember um, there was a guy by the name of Brian that I, I loaned $500 to years ago when I, when, uh, when I sold books door to door. Brian was a fellow Aggie uh, and he was a, he was also a, a, a fellow uh, uh, book salesman with me in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, unlike me, uh, Brian Brian did not fare so well selling books, um, and and it uh, so so I ended up loaning him this five hundred dollars just so that he could cash out with the company and not owe them money. Uh, and it and it took him so so he started dodging me. Uh, he he started avoiding phone calls uh, and 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 texts. Um, and, and it took him nine months to pay back this debt that he owed me. And in fact, I, I think, pretty sure he didn't even pay it back until my roommate, Sean, uh, went over, tracked him down at his apartment uh, and made him pay up. <laughs> Paul, listen, Paul says, owe no one anything except to love. And, 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 and I, don't, I don't think Paul's making a statement about like not incurring credit card debt. He's making a statement about a, a fundamental mindset that every Christ follower needs to adopt. Every, and here it is, every time you see an image bearer of God, whether, whether Christian or, or not, it should be this reminder, church family, of the great love debt that you owe. And, and, and here's, here's what I mean by that. You say, well, why is that? It's because though he didn't have to, man, God graciously redeemed you, uh, as an image bearer, he redeemed you, though you had fallen away, though, though you were living as an enemy of God, God moved towards you and he demonstrated his love. And, and Kent, Hughes, he, Kent Hughes says this, and, and, and I love this quote, we need to truly see ourselves as spiritual debtors. Uh, think about it. Church family, what what would it look like if, if uh, to, to really live like, like you owe others your love? Um, versus this, this entitlement, this sense of entitlement that we're, we, we, we tend to, to walk around with. Uh, Paul says, love 
is the fulfilling of the law. This, this is agape love. We've talked about this love. This isn't just like a, a feeling of love. It's not a worldly love. And what Paul is saying is, listen, if you genuinely agape love fellow image bearers, like there's no way that you're going to violate the sixth or the seventh or the eighth or the tenth commandments, these commandments that, he's list, that, that he lists. But uh, the, the thing is, until Christ came, none of us had a picture of this perfect love, let alone the power source to actually live out this perfect love. And, and, there's, and, and there's an important truth here in verses 8 through 10. Obedience to the law is not Christianity. Jesus is Christianity. His obedience, not not yours. His sacrificial love, not yours. And, And so here's the spiritual reality for living inside out, right? Here's here's what you need to understand, Christian. And I'll say it, I'll say it a couple of times. Once you realize that your neighbor, that the image bearer uh of God is is anyone who is near you you can turn the love of God outward. Once you realize your neighbor is anyone who is near you, you can turn the love of God outward. See, in Luke 10, it was the despised Samaritan who who showed mercy to the bruised, bleeding, and beaten man left for dead. The Samaritan was the one who rescued him out of the ditch. He, He moved toward him right there, even when everyone else had left him for dead and Jesus says that's the neighbor the Samaritan was the neighbor and and, and here's so here's the application with what we're walking through church listen your 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 neighbor is the person who is right in front of you doesn't matter their socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. It doesn't matter their religion. And, and hear me, I know this one's hard. Like It doesn't matter their take on the COVID-19 crisis, right? Paul says, or I'm sorry, Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sins, and I would, I would add, love covers a multitude of other opinions and so many other things. And, and, and I don't know how many are in a multitude, but, but I, I feel like a lot. <laughs> um, and the truth is this. You got to live like you owe people the love of God. You've got to live like you owe people the love of God. The second thing that I want to talk about, and then I'm going to give you the spiritual, the, the, the spiritual reality behind it, is I want to talk about the nearness. We've talked about the neighbor. I want to talk about the nearness of restoration. See, Paul tells the Romans in verse 11 to wake up. He says to wake up, but, but what, are, like, what are we waking up to? And what are we waking up for? Paul answers the question for us. We need to wake up for the salvation that is near. And in light of, of this future grace to come, we, 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 he goes on, he says, we cast off these works of darkness and we live in the light of Jesus. And, and so here's the spiritual reality for living inside out. Once you 
Church, once you wake up to the past, the present, and the future reality, the future grace that you have in Christ, you can live in light of the final restoration that Christ will bring when he returns. Let me say that again. Once you wake up to, to this reality to, of, of the past, the present, and the future grace that you have in Christ, you can, you can live in light of this final restoration that Christ will bring when he returns. See, this is, and I've talked about this through the crisis. This is why the, the prosperity gospel is so obviously broken in the midst of a crisis like COVID-19. I saw a video this past week of a pastor talking about this, this dream, this vision that he had had concerning a second wave of the coronavirus hitting America. But, but his, his conclusion was this, as he, he quoted Second Chronicles 7, and, and, and his conclusion was, if the church would just sort of pray, and, and if we repented of sin, then the second wave uh, could, be, could be avoided. Like, here, here's, my, here's my response to that. Listen, of course, man, we're going to pray for God's physical protection. But last time I checked, even the early church, church family, hear me, even the early church wasn't immune from persecution. They, they, they weren't immune from the trials of global famine. Read Acts 11. They, they weren't immune from natural disease or natural disaster or even disease. And it's, it's bad theology to say that bad things won't happen to people who, who are doing good, who are righteous, and who are prayed up. We need to rip most of the New Testament out of our Bibles if we believe that theology. So far from it. Here's, here's what we need to wake up to, church family. We need a, a vision of something bigger than physical health and, and prosperity. We need a vision of this future grace at the return of Christ that Paul's talking about. The, the amazing thing Paul's pointing to is that, that we get more grace at the revelation and the return of Jesus Christ. Like Lamentations 3 tells us that His mercies are new every morning, but they're also never ending. And, and so Paul points to, to the return of Christ. And, and, and so um, what what, we, what needs to be driving us right now is this final restoration that is to come. See, disease should uh, remind us that the world is not as it should be. And, and, and our hope, hear me, our hope is not in a vaccine. Our hope is in the victory of Jesus over sin and death. And no, it doesn't mean we tri trivialize the very real threat of the coronavirus. It doesn't mean that we're anti-medicine. It, it just means we know a couple of things, right? One, we know that, that there's no version of this fallen world without the threat of getting sick or even dying, 
Like there's no version. There, there's no 100% health guarantee this side of eternity. And two, it, it, we know that a huge part of the grace that we'll experience at the return of Christ is, the, is a recreated, a, a new earth where sickness and death will bow the knee to Christ just like everything and everyone else. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, be, be sober-minded, be, be alert, and hear me is important. If you find yourself just regurgitating the ideology of, of one camp or another, you, you may be buying into a man-made version and promise of restoration. And that's a facade, church family. It's a facade. It's a, it's a false promise. Paul says, wake up. Don't lose sight of the nearness of the restoration of Jesus. Point others to a hope in him, not to a hope in man. Third thing this morning. We've looked at the, the neighbor. We've, 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 looked at this, we've looked at this restoration, the nearness of restoration. Um, as we look at verses 12 through 14, we see the, this new identity. And, and, and I want to give the spiritual reality for living inside out in just a moment. But it, it seems like Paul is sort of all over the place in verses 12 through 14. He, he starts off with this sort of light and, and darkness motif. Then he throws down this like seemingly random list of sins and then he concludes by telling the Roman church that they, they need to put on Jesus like they would put on a shirt or like a, a, some clothes and so here's what I want to do I, I want to bring this all together what what Rome the end of Romans 13 the last three verses is talking about is this idea of identity the Apostle John used the, the same motif of, of, of light and, and darkness, but ultimately both he and Paul are drawing from the teaching of Jesus himself. If you go back to John, really John 1, you see the start of this light and darkness motif. In John 3, 19, uh, Jesus says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And then he clearly lays it out. Jesus does in John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And, and, and so, it's interesting, church family, when, when Paul says here to, to put on the armor of light, like you, your mind might immediately go, and, and rightly so, to Ephesians 6, where Paul talks about putting on the armor of God. It, it, it makes me think of, uh, you know, Titus, I, I've mentioned this before, but Titus is our dress-up kid. This dude, you know, for years has always dressed up. He's either strolling in the room as Darth Vader or, or a policeman or a fireman. But at one point when he was, when he was little, uh, he had this, this full-on, Roman gladiator like costume of armor and at any given day, any given day like Titus would just like roll up in the room just fully decked out with his armor on breastplate belt shield sword and he, he just stroll in like what's up 
Like it's totally normal, normal to walk around with a Roman gladiator uh, armor. Uh, Steph and I joked for years that uh, Titus's middle name should have been Maximus because Titus Maximus just sounds like a fierce Roman uh, general or warrior. <laughs> but Paul says this, put on the armor of light. Put on the armor of God. And, and, and let me let you in on something, church family. As a, as a kid, I was always taught that these things are, are like individual character traits, individual to-dos or, or works that I needed to tackle. So, so for example, the, the, the belt of truth was, man, I need to be truthful. Like God's calling me to be truthful. Or, or the, ble- the, the, the breastplate of, of righteousness was, was man, I, I need to be about righteous deeds. It was about my righteous deeds. The, the shield of faith was my strong faith that I I needed to carry around and so forth but but listen we're missing the point Romans 13 and Ephesians 6 are telling us to put on Christ to put on Jesus Christ hear me he's the embodiment of truth he's the source of of your righteousness. How fitting that the breastplate covered your heart. And how fitting that when you go before God, your heart is made right before God because of the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus is the gospel of peace because he is, he is the prince of peace. Like you want to see the picture of faith? You want to see a picture of, of trusting in the word of God? Look no further than Jesus. He is the perfect picture of faith and faithfulness. So in effect, like my, my life is shielded by the faithfulness of Jesus. He is the helmet of salvation and he is the final word of God so Christian when you when you put on Christ you're you're putting on the light and you're committing to to walking in in the light of of this this new identity in Christ Ephesians 5 8 Paul says at one time you were you were darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of light. Here's, here's the spiritual reality uh, for, for living inside out. Once you learn the, the freedom of, of putting on Jesus Christ in living out your new identity, you can press on past the, the low-hanging fruit of sin management to living for Jesus Let me say that again. Once you learn the the freedom of putting on Christ and and living out your new identity, you can press on past this low-hanging fruit of sin management and really living for Jesus. See, Paul, Paul, he lays out this list of sins associated with being in the darkness. And, and what's interesting about this list is he, he mentions a, a few sins that like, I think all Christians would agree on. Like, man, these are a pretty big deal, right? <laughs> like, the, this, the, you know, uh, orgies, 
uh, drunkenness, uh, this kind of gross, uh, in the Greek, it's this kind of word for gross, heinous sexual immorality. Like, oh yeah, we, we'd say, you know, those are, those are obviously sinful. And, and we might even have a special category for those that we, we, we label as, man, those are, those are the really bad sins. What we would normally not do is lump quarreling and jealousy in with that list of three sins. Why? Because you, you quarreled last week. <laughs> you were jealous last night. Paul's list makes us realize that just because our sin palette might be different or by, might be more socially acceptable, it doesn't make it uh, any less part of the darkness. What's my point? Paul says to cast off the works of darkness. But he, he doesn't stop there. He, he says to put on the armor of light. To put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what that means. Church, hear me. We're not just called to be sin managers. We're not just called to manage our sin. Christian, like you haven't arrived because you, you quit looking at porn. Like you haven't arrived because you stopped cussing. You haven't, like, you haven't arrived because you're not doing the really, the, the, the really big sins that, that you deemed and have, that, that, that are big sins. And you've put them in that category. Yes, like we need to put off the deeds of darkness, but until we put on Christ, We've just got our flesh on a leash, almost like we'd be walking around a pet dog. Scripture says this in Galatians 5.24, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So yes, we crucified the flesh, but then Paul goes on, he says, we live to Christ and we live for Christ. Church family, don't, don't settle for the low-hanging fruit of not sinning big. That's not life. Christian, life is, is found in living for the glory of God in light of the return of Christ. Life is found in continually paying forward this, the, the love debt of Christ by sacrificially loving others, pouring ourselves out for others. I'll, I'll, close, I'll close with this this morning. I, I, want you to, I want you to think about Jesus' journey to the cross. <laughs> um, and and here's, here's, what, here's why I chuckle. <laughs> like, because the the Judean times and the Jerusalem Herald, <laughs> they didn't dictate or determine Jesus' mission. He, he wasn't, like Jesus wasn't concerned with the media fodder. Like, can you even imagine? <laughs> Mary, Mary's son performs faith healings. The headline of the day. Local carpenter given a king's welcome as he rides in on a donkey. Local prophet arrested and, and, and to go before Pilate, his followers scatter. 
How about this one? Self-proclaimed Messiah given the death penalty. No, see, Jesus lived from the inside out. Like the outside world didn't drive his purpose, church family. He understood that the, the will and the way of the Father was through a Roman cross. And in light of these three spiritual realities, think about this. Jesus paid the sin debt. Jesus brought restoration near. And Jesus says, I'm making all things new, even you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your life has looked like up to this point. I don't care, don't care about your past. Jesus says, I will make you a new creation. I will give you a new identity. See, these, these final verses of Romans 13, I, I think they provide us with a great bookend to Romans 12, 1 and 2. See, Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be, be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed. Church family, don't be conformed. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind and your new identity in Christ. This, this crisis has taken its toll. The, the noise of the world is really loud right now. It's, it's conforming pull is, is strong but praise God, there is a Savior who has spoken into all of this mess. Jesus is mighty to save. He is mighty to forgive. His promises, man, they're true. But will you, will you trust Him? And will you live? Will you live the transformed life that He's called you to live? Y'all pray with me this morning. Father God, we thank you and we, we praise you for these, these spiritual realities that you've called us to. Oh God, I, I, I pray for the church. God, may we not be conformed to the pattern of this world. May we not be conformed to this world system and its, its wobbly value system. I, I, I pray that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind in the gospel of Jesus. I, I, I pray that we would live like, like we, there, there's a love debt that we owe every image bearer. God, I, I, I pray that we would live in, in light of, of this future and final restoration that will come at the return of Jesus. I pray that we would live in light of the, the, the past, present, and future grace, grace upon grace we have in Jesus, we have from Jesus. And ultimately, God, help us to, to live in the light, to live in light of, of this new identity that we have in Jesus, not, not to just be content to, to sort of manage our our sin and manage the darkness, but to press on 
and press forward for the glory of God to, to, to be the new creation that you've called us to be. Oh, God, help us. And Lord, I, I, I pray, I pray for the one who might be dialed in, tuned in right now, Jesus, who doesn't know you. Oh God, I, I pray that they would know, Jesus, that you love them, that you've made a way, that they don't, they don't have to live just sort of in reaction to the, the brokenness of the world and even in reaction to the own brokenness and sin within them. But God, that they, they can know, that they would know that there is a Savior who will change them will transform them, who will enable them to live from the inside out. Jesus, even now, would you, would you touch hearts, draw people to you through the goodness of your grace, through, through, through the sacrifice of your body on that cross, through, through the power of your resurrection. God, I pray that the gospel would 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 take root in hearts even now. And God, as we continue to walk through this, this, this crisis, as we, as we continue to, to be bombarded with the noise of the world, our, our confession again and again is, Jesus, God, we trust you. We confess you are sovereign over this. You are sovereign over us. We pray for the transforming power of the gospel to inform our hearts and our lives. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.